Ranked choice voting works. It costs less than holding runoff elections. And studies show it's popular with voters and reduces negative attacks. That's why cities and states are looking to ranked choice voting to improve their elections. Would ranked choice voting help in your community? Find out more at fairvote.org. Waymo TV is filmed for a live studio audience being held against their will. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I was, I sent you, I think you, you might have two emails from me with my phone number in them, but that's, no, but this is, this is great. Yeah, so uh, let's let's dive right into it. I'm joined today by Gary Goldstein, who is an author and screenwriter and, and attorney. And I, I, I would just love to hear, you've got so much that you're working on. Do you want to talk, to, talk about your books or do you want to talk about uh, some of your your previous TV work? What would you like to tell us well, about? Prim- uh, primarily, I mean, I'd like to talk about my book and, and in terms of the what are you working on now. Um, I've been working on the screenplay adaptation of my book, so that's kind of fresh in my mind. Um, I, I wrote a book um, called The Last Birthday Party. I'm primarily a screenwriter and a playwright, but I started writing uh, a book a couple of years ago, and, and it actually came out well and became, as it was an actual book. And uh, I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I did it. And ultimately, I was able to get the book published and uh, came out last, uh, last August. Um, and it's a romantic comedy about a very, it's not even based on my life in any way, but it is, there's a, the character has similarities to, to me, but the rest of it is, is not true. Um, but it is kind of a compilation of every, a lot of things I learned about writing and about relationships and about Hollywood and, and, and Los Angeles and all these things over the course of the, the many years I've been, I've been a writer living out here. Um, and uh, and it was a great great process. I I love love doing it. The book has has done well. It's really touched a lot of people in ways that I never might have imagined. Um, and then I've been trying to people would read the book and they'd say, well, God, this would make such a great movie. It'd make a great TV limited TV series. And I honestly wasn't thinking about that when I wrote it. I mean, it sounds strange for a screenwriter not to have that like front of mind, but I just wasn't. I, I wrote the book. I wanted. I just wanted to tell a story and see where it went. But when, when people were encouraging about it, and I had given it to some producers and a few different pe- yeah, people in the business to read, and they were all like, yeah, this, you know, this could really make a great movie, because the lead character is a great part for, for a lead actor of a certain age, um, and uh, who can do comedy, can do drama, there's a lot going on in it. So I decided to write the script, uh, to, you know, take, write the script as well, just in case we needed it along the way. I mean... You know, you write a book and you figure, well, that's your IP and you shouldn't have to do anything else because the book should speak for itself. But books are not always easy to get people to read. Um, and even though I think the book is, is, you know, I think the book is kind of rich in terms of, of you know, all the description and all, and all the, you know, all the detail and all that. I think it makes for an entertaining reading. You can see a lot of the movie in that detail. But anyway, so I've written the, uh, I've written the, written the first draft of the script. Uh, it started off very long, um, but uh, uh, it ended up, I've, I've cut it down quite a bit, and uh, I like it. We'll see what happens, but it was an interesting process, for sure. Yeah, well, let me ask you, because I, I just had, excuse me, I'm just going to turn this light on here. Um, I just had Todd Goldberg on the show, and he was also working on adapting one of his one of his books to screen, and we talked a little bit about the, the differences between the mediums. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what? Did you go into writing the film and adapting the film version, knowing what you were going to cut from the book to, to make it work better on screen? 
Well, I, I knew that my book, there's a lot of the, the main character has a lot of it's internal. So he's like, he, he's, it's, it's not told in first person, it's third person, but he's, you know, kind of this Greek chorus of his own along the way. And it's actually, I think, some of the most entertaining parts of the book, which is his observations about what he's seeing and what he's feeling and his life and the people around him. But of course, you know, in a movie, it's all about showing, not telling. So it's how do you, how do you put that in? I didn't want to do voiceover because I felt it would be kind of intrusive. It might be a little, a little fake. Um, so, and, and I also didn't want, if I did voiceover, I, I, I don't like doing voiceover unless it's kind of like just the opening and the closing of a script. I'm not big on doing a lot in the middle of it. So I said, okay, I'm not going to do any of that. So, but pulling all of that out, I mean, the book is about 278 pages as a book. Okay. So it's not extraordinarily long, but there's a lot in the book. Um, a lot of characters, a lot of emotion, a lot of events happen in the book. So ultimately it was about, okay, I went through the book and I kind of made an outline of, all the major events that go on, put aside all of the narr- all of the internal narration, all of the kind of description of things. Uh, you know, a lot of this, a lot of things. They're just fine for a book, but I knew that they never make it into a movie, nor nor is there room for it. So I went through and I, I, I sort of did a sweep of all the major events for the main character and then the characters around around him. And then after that. Um, I, I sort of divided divided up into sequences as I would for a screenplay, um, and uh, and ultimately, uh, and I found that I have way too much material because if I was going to have all of these scenes, even if I divided it up kind of in a, in, a, in what looked like an efficient way, writing it out, and I, I do a thing where I'll outline the, the uh, a script and do, put all the scenes in a, in a list, and then I kind of assign a, a tentative page count for that, so I can figure I can figure well. In the end, I want this to add up to 100 pages, 105 pages, somewhere in there, you know, somewhere well under 120, uh, and I was coming out, you know, much higher than that. So little by little, I had a cut, and, you know, you ask yourself the question, as you do if, when you're writing a screenplay or a teleplay or anything, um, you know, is this, move, is this scene moving this, the story forward, or am I just kind of treading water with the story? And I found it that a lot of my very favorite scenes that I thought were just you know entertaining and great dialogue and great character stuff they were they didn't necessarily move the the, the the story forward for a movie, so it was a lot of cutting and a lot of trimming and a lot of repurposing and I'd say I probably used ultimately maybe eighty eighty five percent of it is from pulled from the book, but a lot of it I needed to do a lot of patching and you know creating and transitions and things that weren't necessarily in the book. So it was an interesting process, and and it came in right now. I'm at about, I don't know, it's about 115 pages. So I'm, I may see if I can cut some more. I've been trying to do some more, uh, you know, kind of visual things uh, to kind of show and not tell. How many more, you know, maybe add some. I've added flash, little flashbacks, quick flashbacks, quick, you know, memory hits, things like that, to try to show some of the, you know, the backstory that that is explained in the in the book, but. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I, my goal is it was just to get this script to a place where I could show it to somebody who likes the book and says, "Okay, here's an here's an example of what we can do with the script. Let's have at it." You know that right. kind of thing. Right. Tired of being tracked online? DuckDuckGo can help. Tracking is a comprehensive program. Trackers lurk nearly everywhere online from websites, emails, and even apps in your phone. That means you need a multi-pronged solution. DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracking, blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download the app today. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified.
Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman here, inviting you to invite me into your ear holes five days a week with my podcast, The Ralph Report. Join me, Eddie Pence, Steve Ashton, and the rest of the happy lunatics that make up the Garmy for as little as 15 cents a day. And for that, you get five shows a week filled with music and jokes and news and history and just so much good stuff that you're going to be glad you chose The Ralph Report. How do you listen? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up today. There's four amazing levels of subscription that you can join, each one with their own special bunch of benefits. So check it out. Listen to me, Ralph Garman, on The Ralph Report. Patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. What surprised you the most when you set out to write this first book? I, I mean, I would say that I actually was able to do it. You know, I, it, it sounds crazy, and I've been a reader my entire life. You know, and I've, oh, I'm always reading books, and but it's kind of like like you can you can drive in a car as the passenger your entire life, and when you finally get behind the wheel, it's a very different thing. So I I knew enough, certainly enough, about writing from my many many years of writing scripts, and I'm also a journalist, so so I, I have that that side of the brain working and that's very that's very that kind of prose writing is similar to like when you write when you're writing a book um punctuations are different but the but the sentence structure is, is similar um and so i felt okay i know how to write dialogue i know how to tell a story i know how to expand things i know how to kind of give description i'll just start writing a book and i didn't take any classes i just i again i i felt like it was just a distillation of so much that i had learned as a writer you know along the way um, and I, I had my version of an outline for it. It wasn't a really extensive outline, but I knew the major story beats. I knew kind of where I wanted everything to land al- along the way, and it pretty much got there, I think. Um, but again, with its own cutting. In the end, the, the book uh, was 98,000 words, um, which is a little on the, the high side for this kind of, uh, kind of uh, fiction. Uh, so my we but with my editors we cut it down to eighty four thousand so it kind of reads like a shot now you know it's really really fast and so that that's the the propulsiveness is what I've been trying to in, in, in you know in, in, infuse into the screenplay because that just sort of keeps it all moving. Sure. But what what inspired you to become a writer in the first place? Was it a person or was it there a moment that led to it? Well, you know, when I was uh, when I was in high school, um, I wrote. For the the high school paper, I was the film critic for the high school paper um, nice. at a time where being a film critic, you know, for in, t- in high school was not the coolest thing to do, but I did it anyway. Uh, and uh, and I learned a ton about writing and and about how even our little newspaper was made and all of that. And I went to college uh, to be uh, um, to be a journalist, um, but I ended up moving switching into broad- what was called broadcasting and film. That was the degree I got. But I did my best class that I ever took in my entire life was journalism one hundred and one because it just completely taught me how to write tight and brief and don't bury the lead and get to the point and all that stuff, which is really so valuable, even for pitching or even having conversations. You know, it's really valuable. Um, so I actually wanted to be a film critic. Uh, that's That was my goal. And uh, uh, but I, I and at the time, this was at a point, point in time where, where film criticism was meaningful and, 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 you know, there are tons of newspapers and alternative weeklies and, you know, tons of places that you could, you know, you could write reviews and get read. But it was hard to get the job and make a living. So I moved into movie publicity. And then ultimately I did that for a number of years. 
uh, until I decided, you know what, I've got to go back to my first love, which is writing, but how can I make, an, I make a living as a writer? And I decided to start writing, trying to write for television, you know, write scripts for television. And that's kind of what got me started. But, you know, I love telling stories. I love being able to relate to people. I like being able to entertain people, move people. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's an, and, I, and obviously the more you do it, the more it becomes a part of you. And I've, I've always gotten enough encouragement along the way to keep going um, and, you know, found ways, you know, to sort of, you know, be successful at it. You know, it, it, it's a roller coaster, um, but, um, you know, but I, but it's, it's an endurance test. And that's really, you know, really, if you, if you want to succeed, you have to really, you just can't stop. You know, you really, really have to endure. I'm living that right now. I, uh, <laughs> I know that I feel like, but, but let me ask you, like, if you could go back to talk to the you that's just starting their career, what would you say to them? What kind of advice would you give them? Well, um, that's a great question. I, I, I started off writing television, and I, at the time I may have said start off writing feature films because uh, that was at a time where you could sell spe- that spec scripts, spec screenplays sold, uh, and they and the studios and, and production companies are making tons of movies. They're developing tons of movies. It's all very different now. It's much more TV oriented now. But back then, I started up in TV and I, I got enough work in, in episodic TV that was great. And they sort of got me out of the gate and got me into the Writers Guild and, and all of that. It was a great experience. But I I felt screenwriting was probably a little bit more kind of where I could where I could sort of get more of an in in. But I. Felt TV writing would sort of move me into screenwriting, and ultimately it did, but not not but not naturally. It was only because I pulled myself out of it and and you know and, and moved forward with it. So that's one. I would say probably maybe for me, and I don't say this for anybody now because TV is just sort of where it's at. You know, go write a pilot. I still write pilots. I mean, I just still you know you, you go where the work is. But in terms of the learning process, writing a screenplay is such a whole, for me it's such a whole experience uh, to be able to tell a story from start to finish. Uh, we're kind of, we've kind of lost a lot of that because of streaming and, and you know and binging TV and all of that. I mean, I've listened. I've 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 watched some movies you know that I basically binged. They were longer movies, and instead of like sitting and watching it for two and a half hours, I watched you know watched it in four sittings. You know, and I never used to do that, but it, it's like yeah, you can do that, but uh, it's a different experience. So um, yeah, I would say for me, it, w- it would be like maybe maybe write films first and then move into TV. But ultimately, I've been able to do all of it. So you know, it's. It's worked out. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating that you that you mentioned that because I found just recently I was I was watching Seven Samurai and I couldn't commit to sitting there for the full. I think it's like four and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just watched it about thirty minutes at a time. One samurai at a time. Right? One samurai at a time, exactly. Uh, and it's it's just fascinating to think about like it, you know the way that we've watched TV has now shaped the way that we that we go back and watch these longer films. Now let me ask you. So you're working on the sequel for your first book. Um, so I, oh. a screenplay for my first book. Uh, oh, I, I thought there was also a sequel coming. No, I have well. a. I have a. No, oh, I, wrote, okay. I wrote a second novel. Yeah, nothing has nothing yes, to do. With yes. Yes. Uh, so with with the second novel, I'm curious to know just a little bit about your process of sitting down. Now that you've got the one out of the way, 
when you came to write the second one. Can you take us a little bit through that? Sure. Well, I, I kind of felt like I had to write a second book because I learned so much writing the first book. And it's not just like what you learn about the physical writing. It's the publishing aspect of it. It's the marketing aspect of it. I mean, I just, I, I'm a, I'm a, I started off in, in marketing as a publicist, so I understand how that all works and I had to set things up. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, talking about, about, you know, the work. Um, but it's a very big part, and, it, and unlike a movie or a TV show, the, in a book, the author is the only person who can talk about that book. You know, so it's really up to you, you know, to, to do that, and that's fine. I enjoy doing it, but you know, it does. It is a process. So I learned so much, and I figured, I, you know, I'm kind of on a roll. And also with the pandemic last year, I wrote the second book where last year, and even though I had more work to do, script work to do last year outside of the book. I was able to finish the book like I started in January. I was able to finish the draft in like October, um, and so and edited and all of that during that period. So it was it was a pretty it wasn't a fast process, but it was a pretty efficient process. Um, and basically, I outlined that book more because it's a I had an idea that I wanted to do, and it's a, drama, a family drama. It's kind of a little bit out of my. You know, it's like certainly the last birthday party has a comedy, a romantic comedy, a little bit of dramedy. It's a little bit more, most of the, reflective of most of what I've written. And I've written dramas, I've written some thrillers and mysteries, but basically, uh, this book was just I, I wanted to tell this story. And however it came out, it's too it's too serious a story for it to be funny. And even though people, you know, my editor who read it, she said, you know, somehow or other, you, you managed to find humor in like the darkest places. And that was sort of not a, it was, I was happy to hear it because it lightens things up, but wasn't my, you know, wasn't my purpose. Um, so, but, but because it was a more serious story uh, and it was, it's a, it's a bit of a mystery. It's got twists to it, like character twists. Um, I felt that I needed, you know, more outlining than I would need to do for the book. So I spent more time on the outline of it. But still outline less than I would if I was writing it as a screenplay. You know, whenever I write a script, whether I'm writing it on spec or writing it on assignment, I always outline, you know, pr pretty significantly because I just, I just feel it really helps that, that part of the process. This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Do you want to grow your audience without sacrificing your privacy? Then the Stupid Sexy Privacy miniseries is just for you. It's a short, special presentation that will run every Thursday morning right here on weiwo.tv for the next 23 weeks. In each short episode, we'll teach you how to preserve as much of your privacy as possible while still participating in the creator economy. You'll also hear from top privacy and disinformation experts who will teach you how to protect yourself from fascists and weirdos. And who doesn't want that? So make sure you're subscribed to weiwo.tv where all podcasts can be found and we'll see you every Thursday morning for a special presentation of Stupid Sexy Privacy, a weiwo.tv miniseries. Now I have to ask you, uh, just given your background, if you had one Desert Island film, what would it be? Oh God, what a great question. Um, you know... I would say, well, it should be the longest movie, right? Because just because you have only one movie, so you need more to watch. Um, 
Well, it'd have to be a comedy, you know. It'd have to be something to keep me, you know, keep me going. I couldn't, it couldn't be Saving Private Ryan or something like that. Uh, much sure. as I like the movie, um, I don't know. You know, it, it's an old movie, but it, it still works to this day as The Graduate. You know, it's still one of my favorite favorite movies. Plays really well. So many years later, I, I, I love that movie. There are a couple of comedies that I I love from the eighties: uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and uh, Risky Business are two of my favorite movies. I love Sixteen Candles and the whole John Hughes. You know the whole John Hughes group. Uh, I'll go with The Graduate. You know, I love The Godfather. You know, movies like that. But it's just too. It's just too intense. You know, for your desert island. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, so let me ask you. I just have a, a few questions left. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you ever got? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten. It's also another great question. Um, well, there, I, one of a really good piece of advice, and this goes out to the world because as a writer, you know, everybody gets very, very kind of hung up on, oh my God, I need an agent, I need a manager, and you know, in many respects, you do. But somebody very smart once said to me, "You don't need a a, a um, agent or manager; you need a representable product or a project." And it's like if you have that very representable project, somehow or other the agent manager, agent or manager will appear. But we tend to put the cart before the horse, especially newer writers. It's like, oh my God, I can't. If I don't have an agent, I'm never going to get any work. I'm never, what if I, if I, okay, I write a script, what am I going to do with it? You know, um, uh, and it's like, so I need that agent, I need that, that manager to help me get it out, but it's not always foolproof. And, you know, I've, I've had many agents and managers over my career, you know, as, as many writers have who've been in it long enough. And, and you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, you know, in terms of what anybody's able to do for you. I would say my, to that, to, you know, to flip that, that question around, my best advice is do not wait for somebody to do something for you. If I waited for for, for anybody to, to you know to really give me permission to write that script or or, or say Gary we're going to hire you to write this book and we'll publish it I'd still be waiting for it. You have to put things into motion and you know we hate as writers you know it's one of the, one of those few fields where you you, know, you live on spec basically basically and you know you can the good news is that you can write without being hired and hopefully then turn it around and sell it as opposed to actors who really can't act unless somebody hires them to do it. Even if they're being hired to be in a play for free, they, they still, you know, they still, they, somebody needs to say yes. But I just say, if there's something you want to do, you just, you have to go out and, and, and do it. Now, you may, you may, can't sell it yourself necessarily. Maybe you will. Maybe you know people that, you know, you can get it to. But, but you have to have that prop product first. So you, you want to have, if you're starting off as a writer, you really want to have that great screenplay or TV pilot or, you know, and nowadays, when I, when I was starting out, you had to have, like in television, to work in television, you had to have a spec script of an existing show. So, you know, you had to have that Cheers or Golden Girls or, or you know, whatever was on, you know, in those, in those years. Um, but now people will read, I'm always reading, oh, some, so-and-so got staffed on a show because they wrote a blog that, that, the, that the showrunner liked or they wrote a short story. Or, and that's very encouraging, you know, one-act play. Um, I mean, I, to this day, if I submit something for an assignment or even the you know, staff position or something, I'll, I'll submit plays. I'll, I'll, now I'll submit my book. Um, I, it's, you want to show kind of a little more of a voice, uh, more than what a spec script used to. But, but the bottom line is don't let, don't let somebody, don't wait for somebody to give you the permission to do it. Um, because time goes very, very fast. And if you're say, saying, all right, I'm going to move forward, and in a year from now, I'm going to get somebody to say yes to my script. 
But the truth is that year goes very fast. And then if you have nothing to show for it, and you, if you haven't written that script, and you haven't made it a great script, uh, you have less to show for that time. And little by little, life creeps up. You need to pay your bills. Uh, you end up... I saw too many really talented people sort of drop, drop out of writing because it was just, it was just too hard to, uh, you know, to make a living, which is sad. There are a lot of talented people out there. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, look, I, I've always made my living doing marketing and not writing. You know, like it's the writing that you do for fun because you love it, but it's the marketing that that's always, for me, pay the bills. Um, is there someone whose work you really appreciate that doesn't get the attention you think it deserves? Oh, these are great questions. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, uh, there are definitely some filmmakers who I, who I, who I love, who I, I think they're just, they always have sent tended to stay a little under the radar. But, but then in the book world, there are some novelists that I think are great. And I think that they've achieved a, like a, a sort of a culty kind of um, uh, success, but not that kind of big success. Like one of my favorite contemporary writers is Jonathan Tropper. Um, and now he's a very successful TV writer. Um, but he wrote, I think, eight novels, uh, very, very, uh, very much in my bailiwick of, of writing of these kind of just like, offbeat, askew, family dramedies. Uh, he wrote uh, his, his book, uh, This Is How I Leave You, was made into a film a number of years ago with Jason Bateman and Tina Fey and Jane Fonda. Um, and his books are just about people. And I think he's a fantastic writer. And I, he's been very successful. But I don't think he's achieved that kind of name brand success that somebody who's as, as, as talented as he is, um, you know, get. Uh, there's an, a, a writer named Stephen Rowley, R-O, Rowley, I think has R-O-W-L-E-Y, who wrote a book called The Gunkle that just came out last year, and he had a, a fantastic book called The Editor, which is one of my favorite books of the last few years that came out a few years ago, and a, a book before that. And uh, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more of him. Those, his books have done well, but they've all been optioned as films, and he's a really terrific writer and a smart guy. Um, I, I think I, I was... I, as somebody who's always loved books and, and, and known a lot about authors, but sometimes more obscure fiction authors, contemporary fiction authors, um, I'm always kind of like trying to encourage people who don't read books to start reading books. Somebody uh, who, when I started writing, somebody who, had, who ultimately went on to become a very big studio head, uh, he had said to me, if you're going to write, you must read books. And I always read books anyway, so it was no great revelation, but I always kept that in mind. And I tell people, read a book. And when you write a book, you find out how many people do not read books because uh, it's like, oh, it makes me feel like I'm back in high school. Or it's like, no, you, we're not, I'm not asking you to read The Red Badge of Courage. I'm asking you to read my, my entertaining book. But there are people, especially as people get older and set in their ways, they don't have the patience to read a book. Um, and maybe never did. I don't know. So I say to everybody, learn how to read a book, enjoy it, um, and it will help you as a writer, as a screenwriter, as a crafter of words, um, as, a fi- as a creator of fiction. Um, uh, you know, I just think it's, it's uh, really important. Absolutely. And my last question for you is, what's one thing that you never get asked about in an interview that you, that you are passionate about, that you like to talk about, but you just never get asked about it? You know, I don't get, honestly, I mean, I've been a film critic for the Los Angeles Times, a film reviewer for the Times, a freelancer for 15 years. And, uh, and it was sort of like, uh, it, my career sort of came back around, you know, I, I, in high school and college, I was the film critic, and that's what I wanted to do. And 
I had an opportunity to uh, to start writing for them as a freelancer, and I just loved it, and it just sort of it melded my my love of movies and journalism and and just writing in general. So it was something that I started doing, you know, in addition to everything else, just sort of. Uh, you know, I do, do have gone, depending upon the week, I'll do one or two, three movies a week, it depends. Uh, and, uh, and I, but nobody reads reviews anymore, by and large. It's just not that popular anymore. And they're not in print as much anymore because there's so much, so little room. And, you know, there's so many reviewers online and, you know, everybody, all you need is a blog, you know, a website, you can create a review and you don't necessarily have to be a journalist, you know, to, to write a, you know, anything really. Um, so I love talking about movies and, and, and the little movies and the documentaries and the foreign films that I, that I review that I, that I love that nobody ever sees, you know, because they're just small films and they, hopefully there's somebody seeing them on Amazon or Netflix or something after their, you know, moment, you know, moment out of the, uh, you know, out of the theaters. Um, but I like talking about film reviewing because it's, it's an art that I think needs to be kept alive. Any reviewing, theater reviewing, you know, record reviewing, music reviewing, all of it. Yep. To me, it's an art form. It's criticism is an art form, and I think it's just I, we've seen what happens when you <laughs> when you just sort of let the mob decide what films get get made and what films don't. And uh, there's something to be said about that 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 aust- I don't know what the right word for it is, but but that expertise I think is lost, and it would be great to have it heard again. So thank you. Um, where where can we find you? Where can we find your books? Where can we find your reviews? Where where can we find your stuff? Um, um, uh, find stuff? You can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, at Gary Goldstein LA. Uh, just one word, obviously. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have an author page on Facebook. I have a website www.garygoldsteinla.com. I've got my bio. I've got all kinds of info about my current book, my new book, links to interviews I've done. Way more than you need to know about me is on that is on that website. Um, and I encourage people watching or listening to, you know, feel free to drop a line. If you have any questions about writing, what should I do? Happy to, you know, I've, I've learned so much as a writer and a marketer and a you know, creator in this business. And, and, and it, one of the joys of it is, the, is to be able to share, you know, that knowledge and, and help people avoid some of the pitfalls that I had to experience. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out. And if I can, you know, just in an email back, you know, fix a problem for you, love to do it. Um, my book is available, The Last Birthday Party. It's available um, all bookstores. It's in Barnes & Nobles. It's in most independent bookstores. If not, they can order it for you. Available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, uh, bookshop.org. Is that every, everywhere that they sell books online. And if you get it, I hope, hope you enjoy it. This is Greg Goldstein, and I'm the applause sign operator here at Weiwo TV. But turning this cute little sign on is only a small part of what I do with the show. I also pay the bills. So if you like what you just heard, and you want to hear more episodes of Weiwo TV, let me share with you how I make the money to pay those bills. Knock, knock. Who's there? Broken pencil. Broken pencil who? Never mind. There's no point. (laughs) Did you know that laughter is a distinctive human characteristic meant to help calm us down? You see, the business of marketing may be ever-changing, but people have been documented trying to make each other laugh since ancient Greece. That's why, at That Funny Agency, we're more than just digital marketing professionals with years of big agency experience. We're also professional comedians, artists, actors, writers, and musicians who have a unique insight into the science of happiness. At our digital marketing agency, 
we use our innate humor to bring people closer together. Customer to business, collaborator to client, friend to friend. It's almost like funny is our middle name. Oh wait, it is. So come laugh with us, journey with us, grow with us at thatfunnyagency.com. We're That Funny Agency. Strategic 360-degree digital marketing by unapologetically funny people. That's it for this episode of Waywo TV. Our announcer, editor, and producer is Jonathan Ingram. Additional editing is provided by Andrew Van Voorhees, and those dulcet tones you hear are those of Rosie Tran, Crixley, Colton Hagen, and Elise Randall Monica. And of course, our show is hosted by Mr. B.J. Mendelson, recording at the George Carlin Podcast Studio. So folks, stay strong, stay safe, and stay sexy. Thanks for listening. Okay, your, your, your middle name is Macho, but uh, I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever, has a Macho Man ever cried? for macho men to show every emotion available right there you know because i've cried a thousand times i'm gonna cry some more but i've soared with the eagles and i've slithered with the snakes and i've been everywhere in between and i'm gonna tell you something right now there's one guarantee in life and that there are no guarantees yeah and I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy. So if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right? <laughs>